It's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. In this episode, host Grady Sheffield, the director of campus recreation at Towson University and the senior advisor to the Campus Rec Mastermind Groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Jorge Juarez, the executive director of Sun Devil Fitness at Arizona State University. Juarez shares about his humble beginnings and the road he took to finally leave Texas, finding himself at Arizona State. He and Sheffield also talk about the role of family and work-life balance. It started early in his career, but has continued to be an important aspect of his role as a director, especially when it comes to overseeing four separate facilities on four distinct campuses. So whether it's moderating 2023 Campus Rec Leadership Summit, diving into the realm of well-being, or participating in the Hi, How Are You campaign, I hope you can hear in the following conversation how Juarez works to find a work-life balance amidst all he does. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Director's Download. Once again, I'm your host, Grady Sheffield, and today I'm joined by Jorge Juarez, who is somebody, someone that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years through our experience with the uh, Campus Rec Leadership Summit. So, Jorge, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Grady. We're so excited to have you. Um, I want to get into it with you, um, start talking about your your background and how you got into Campus Rec. That's what I like to do with our guests. So tell us about your experience and, and what's led you to Arizona State. Wow, that's a long, uh, I, I appreciate your time and letting me have this opportunity. And so I'll start um, by my humble beginnings. I I really don't tell this part of the story, but I'm going to tell people. I went to college um, right out of high school like everybody does, but I grew up the youngest of seven to a single mom, and coming to college was a struggle, right? It was it was something that I didn't even ask her for money because she could barely feed us, and so in the Hispanic culture, you the mom wants to help and, so, and puts that pressure on her, so I really didn't tell her I was going to college until I was leaving the Friday before the Monday. Because I have a lot of pill brain. I was a poor kid. And so wait, wait. Was, you said the Friday before the Monday? Yeah, before I needed to report <laughs> to school. Uh, because I, I wanted to save face with my mom, who was just a workaholic. She cleaned um, apartments by day and people's houses at night, um, six days a week. She didn't work on Sundays. Um, but that's what she did. And so then to, um, I have five brothers and a sister, and they didn't go to college. And so yeah. I didn't have that role model of somebody going to college. And so I didn't want to put that burden on her because my brothers and sisters went to the workforce and that's yeah. what they did. But I, I knew I wanted a different path. So your first gen. Uh, yes. Yes. First and, gen. I went to college. Uh, since in then Texas? I, Is this Texas? You know, yep. Okay. I went to the University of Texas at San Antonio from Corpus Christi is my hometown. Okay. And I, I love I love sports. I played sports growing up. So there I some, joined some sports. What you play? Up at that everything tennis baseball flag football um so i i embarked i embarked on that um it was there that i met novelle shed coach shed is what we called him in the rec center prior to what utsa has now it was the convention center or not uh, the convocation center is what they called it and that's where people played and so that's where i ended up playing Mm-hmm. And Nabelle Shed, Coach Shed, and um, these three students ran the program 
everything. Like they run what, what I consider recreational sports. But at that time, I didn't know it was. I would just right. officiate for them. I would officiate basketball, football. I would officiate. I helped them run the programs. But I didn't even know what I was doing. I just know that they were paying me when I would work with them. But I, I didn't know what I was doing. This lasted about two years. And my grades just crumbled. I mean, my mm. grades were not great. And so I would, fifth semester, I was academically suspended from the University of Texas San Antonio. And I uh, called my mom, told her they, they kicked me out of school. She didn't know why, because she didn't go to school herself. And it was because right. of poor grades. But I realized then is school's not for me. School wasn't for me. High school didn't teach me how to study. I didn't know how to study. So my mom asked me to move back to Corpus Christi, but I was having a fun time in San Antonio. So I lived in San Antonio for the next five years. I coached tennis. I officiated softball. I officiated year-round, basketball, softball, anything to make money. And that's what I did for five years living in San Antonio. And then in 93, I decided to move back to Corpus Christi because my mom suffered some, some health issues and she needed mm -hmm. a, a person to help her. And so I became a roommate in Corpus Christi. So I moved back home. And as I moved back home, that's where it all began. Like the, the, um, my, my mom asked me to take her to church because that's what she loves to do. And so I took her to church. And I met a priest friend who's been a family friend for years. And he said, hey, what are you going to do now? I said, I don't know. Take care of my mom. I'm 25 years old. And he says, why don't you go to the community college? I'm like, no, I did that college thing. It's hard. I'm, it's not for me. And plus, I don't have any money. When I said that, he came back to say, I'll pay for it. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So what do you tell? You can't tell priests no, right? He said, I'll pay for it. So you can't make excuses. You can't lie to them. So I enrolled in a local community college and I was supposed to take six hours. Um, and I took nine and I made three A's. And I thought, whoa, what? Three A's? So I re-enrolled for that summer for two more classes and I made two more A's. And I realized, whoa, wait. And I took like intro to kinesiology. I'm older. And so I want to, I want to graduate and get out because I'm 25. So right. I thought I looked at my transcript and I, I uh, moved on to A&M Corpus Christi. A&M Corpus Christi was in a unique position in, in 1995-96. They were just bought out by, by the A&M system and converted from a two-year to a four-year school. And so I had some mentors, Dave Hall and Jeff DuPont, who were who were very young in their in their nurse careers, and they and they took a chance on me to hire me in their red program. So you said 95, 96 around yep, there? So 95, but... 96. Um, and they 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 did that. And so I started working in the red program, and it was then. Grady, that I realized through Jeff DuPont and, and Dave Hall that this is a career. This is their job. I thought I was going to school to, to be a coach because that's and a math teacher because math was the only class I passed in the University of Texas San Antonio. And I thought, okay, well, to get out of school fast, I'll get a math degree. And so I did. Makes I got sense. a math degree and I got a kinesiology minor to coach. Um, but it was along that journey that Dave and Jeff took me to nurse, uh, just like all the other people. I, I felt like, even though I'm 25, I felt like a freshman and a reborn sure. college student because yeah, makes sense. This, this is what people, uh, this is how people got in the field. And so I did that. I continued to work. They continued to mentor me. 
Grady. I'm, I was older than them, but they still right. took me under their wing to teach me how this field works and um, campus recreation. And there were a lot of other people instrumental in this. And so then that's when they told me, hey, to continue, you need to get a master's. Well, Grady, you're talking a kid, the youngest of seven, that just to get a bachelor's was an accomplishment. But right. now people are telling me like, you can get a master's and people pay for this. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, and blown, you know, I was just a yeah. kid out of South Texas, now having to spread my wings. And so in 99, I went to NURSA. I think it was Milwaukee. Milwaukee. That was my first conference. Yeah, Milwaukee yeah. Um, in NURSA. And I met Pee Wee Roberson and Jared McCauley at Texas Tech and, and a host of other schools that I um, wanted to do grad work at. But they were two guys that really like, when I met them at the conference, I thought, oh, I think I can work at Texas Tech. And so I did. Um, I went from from 36 flag football schools at at um, A&M Corpus Christi to now over 260 flag football teams at Texas Tech. <laughs> and working with 20 officials at A&M Corpus Christi to working with over 100 officials at Texas Tech. And so I wanted to see that, that difference. And Texas Tech gave me that opportunity. I did my grad work there. Two years later, Joe McClain, Pee Wee, offered me my first director's position um, in 2001. And so I stayed there for the next six years. And I did everything there. I, I try to learn as much as I can about the animal world, about officiating, about special events, about parting collaborations across campus. I did everything. And Grady, I was hungry for more. And I'm older, right? I'm not the traditional, at this time, I'm not the traditional 22, 24 year old. I'm 30 years old and getting in my first position because of the setback I had earlier in my life. And so I took my first director's position at in 2007 at the university, at Texas A&M International. It was a small school, a school of 6,000 students, but they were building their first rec center. So I thought, yay, this is an opportunity for me to go finish off a rec center that started by an athletic director and then give them campus recreation. And so I had one pro staff member down there and an, and an admin, and I brought in a fitness person and, uh, and an intramural person. And the five of us built that campus and built that program. And so everything we were doing, I brought from the nurse. It was like the Midas touch. Students didn't have anything in Laredo. And I realized, wow, students didn't have much and now they have this and they enjoyed it. And still to this day, it's, it's a booming um, yeah. entity. I spent two years there. Um, and then I took um, a position at Texas A&M Commerce as their senior associate and then moved on to be their director. And it was there um, overseeing a staff of five at International. Now at AM Commerce, I'm seeing a, a staff of 14 um, and, and started growing. And from AM Commerce, I spent three years there building their program, building up staff there. Then I took off to be the director at Southern Methodist University in 2012. And there I spent 3,232 days there. I count my days. Um, that's close to nine years I spent at Southern Methodist University with the staff when I got there of 22 and into attrition that happens. And so I just started gra gra growing my portfolio, growing my um, 
just my love of campus recreation and building up campus rec professionals to, to go be what they want to be. And then after almost 19 years, 20 years, and if you talk about my, my um, student work, almost 25 years of being in Texas and knowing all the Texas folks, um, in 2021, ASU came calling and said, well, you wanna, you wanna be our rec center director? And I took the, the bait. So on June 21st, 2021, I decided that I'm gonna move my four kids and my wife to the great state of Arizona after about 26 years, 27 years of knowing only Texas rec center programs. And so here I am, I made the move for two reasons. One, I love the, the vision of the president here at ASU in the fact that he talks about educating everybody from the A student to the D student mm. resonates with me because 30 years ago, 35 years ago, that was me. I was that D student that I needed the help. And so we educate that at ASU. Um, he does focus on the honors kids, but he focuses on everybody. So that I liked his vision. And then second, selfishly, Grady, I wanted, this was an opportunity to run one of the biggest rec centers in the nation. Um, I oversee four rec centers, so probably close to about 500,000 feet of programmable space. Um, I have 36 professionals looking to hire more um, and close to 800 student workers is the whole outfit here at ASU. Uh, it is a big entity. And I just love the challenge of um, just building up staff, whether it be student staff or, or, or professionals. And because, and I do it because it was done for me very early on. And so I continue to give back to professionals in wherever, whatever school, whatever journey they want, I try to give back. So that's my journey, Greg. So that is quite a story, my friend. And I wanna to touch on something that that you mentioned, you're, you're the first, you know, a couple of years you spent in college and the time that you you had away from your first experience to getting back into it in your mid-20s, you referred to that as a setback. Um, and I think that I, I understand why you say that, but hearing that story, I think it's it's interesting because what I heard was that was the opportunity for you to get to where you are today. And I think that you would probably agree with that, right? If things didn't happen the way that they did, uh, you might not be here. And that's that's quite a journey. And um, I think it goes to show to those listening or anybody out there, like you never know what yeah. opportunity is going to present itself or what might happen and to just go for it, right? Yeah. I think that's a good, a good assessment. It was an opportunity. So at the time that I'm looking at it, I look at it as setback. When I look back yeah. at it now, you're right. It's an opportunity. And the opportunity were also the people along the path when I was calling in my struggle. Absolutely. Those simple little invitations, those simple little, and we have those people in our lives every day now. Yes. And, 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 and good people trying to get us places. And so we have to recognize, oh, this is my opportunity. And sometimes the opportunity could present like when that first, um, when my priest said, hey, go to school. He, it was a simple gesture for him that changed my life. Yeah. Um, I call Big him my gesture. director. He's still, he's still around my life. And so, uh, because, and I've had a lot of people along the way and I want to be that for others, right? It's that simple yeah. gesture that we can do as professionals 
to help people get to where they want to go? So I want to touch on um, the structure at Arizona State. Uh, recently, in the latest magazine that came out from Campus Rec, um, that you're profiled in that with your team. And I was going to ask you why, why is ASU? And you answered that, but there was something that struck me, um, a quote from that, where you said, wherever my family is, is where home is. Yeah. What does that mean for you? What is it? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? What does that mean? Yes. So um, moving my family from Texas to Arizona was a big deal. And the fact that when I move, I'm not only moving me and moving my wife, I'm moving, I moved my kid that was a senior in high school out of a STEM-based school in, in Plano, Texas. I'm moving my girl who at that time, she was a ninth grader who had just finished her drumming um, career on a 6A big, um, big time football high school, high school in Texas. Yeah. Um, and then my sixth grader who's now in eighth grade and then in my fifth, fourth grader, they were all fine. But I'm moving those two oldest I felt um, we made a pack as a family. Um, when I was moving out to Arizona, Arizona was a school, Arizona State, who came calling early, it, a year out before I said yes. In fact, I said no twice to Arizona State before the third time when they um, actually invited me to an on-campus interview. And, they, and we spent, I, my family and I spent six days here over spring break it was then together that we decided that, hey, that's not a bad place for us to live. And so when we moved, we went back to Texas after visiting um, Arizona State, we together as a family decided that we're gonna make this move together. And if we have any hesitations about it, then maybe we just stay at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. And so, I tell my family, my four kids and my wife is we make this decision as a family together and there's no going back. Mm. We, we said, yes, two weeks later, we can came to consensus. We're going. Yeah. And I called my VP here and said, the Juarez's are coming. Probably shocked the world, shocked my family in Corpus Christi because nobody ever left. They haven't left Corpus Christi. My family still lives in Corpus Christi. Right. Tons, cousins, my kids have cousins. And so my family and I left, and now we're in Arizona. Was it easy? No. Has it been easy? No. There's struggles with every move. But as long as you have your foundation as a family together, we will make it through hard times. And we've had, we've had hard times, but we've made it through, and we just grow stronger from it. And so yeah. that's why I say this. And since Tim, my, my oldest is now a first year college student here at ASU and he's in the honors college here at ASU uh, under chemical engineering. So things are looking better. Yeah, so that's, that's awesome. What I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Campus Rec Mastermind Groups. These groups are created as a space for executive directors and directors to present questions and challenges you are faced with in your position so you can leverage the power of your peers to help you succeed. It's a leadership accountability group that provides immediate professional development based on your specific challenges as a leader. Interested in learning more? Email Heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. -E. You mentioned things aren't always easy and haven't always been easy. I'm only imagining as the director at Arizona State, which 
I know has four distinct campuses and your structure has it to where you're overseeing all the recreational aspects on those four campuses. How do you do that? Yeah, um, with a team, right? It takes a team. Um, I meet with my leadership team every Thursday and the leadership, we, we decided, NASU also decided that they don't want four different directors at every campus. And it's mm. just one director and leadership at all four. Um, and so when I came in, I gave a, a kind of a change up or, or uh, um, maybe structure to the way Julie Kepper, my predecessor, was already moving the ship. And we decided to go to functional leaders. And so I have a great number two guy named Dustin Sotomayor. Dustin is now director of operation and Dustin and team run the oper functionally operations and memberships of all four institutions. And then I have a functional leader over fitness and uh, fitness and that's personal training group fitness. I have a functional one. We're searching for a sports um, associate to oversee the sports program. And then I have, so I, I broke up functions and now I have a leader over all the functions and the functions we call it Brady, one U, one university is what the president calls it. So no matter what school you are at on the Arizona state, call it, we don't call it system, um, school, you're part of ASU. So if you go to West, right. you're part of ASU. <clears throat> and so the four rec centers have everything a rec center they have um fitness they have wellness they have training they have group fitness they have intramurals the only program and they have wellness the only program that is slowly solely based at tempe are sport clubs uh, because yeah. we have the, we have this the the field size to house all 58 clubs here but there's a couple of clubs um like cricket out at west because they have a big we have a big field out there so there's a couple of clubs that, that you know but that's the only program that really is Tempe based is so main campus based. So how far away are the campuses from each other? Then? From, from West. So it's in Glendale, Arizona to Poly, which is in Gilbert, Arizona. That's probably an hour. An and hour. so what I do is um, one of the big things when I moved to Arizona state university, um, I, I run a very um, family oriented type of leadership where I want the, the professional staff to understand that, Jorge's, Jorge's my leader and he's part of my, he's part of the family. We're part of a yeah. family. And so I go visit Polly downtown and West weekly. Um, so from my house to, to West, it's about a 40 minute drive. And I do that on Fridays. Um, I spin at Polly on Mondays, downtown on Wednesdays. And in the main campus, I'm here Tuesday, Thursdays. And so I try to be there for the students that work in the building and for the pro staff that are in those areas so we can feel, so we can be part of one leadership. And that I don't look like the boss of Tempe only because I'm based out of Tempe. And right. so I vow that it is a lot of work, but I think if we, it, it brings a holistic feel to the, to, the, to the pro staff who feel like, oh, I'm, I'm part of a bigger one new entity, not just working my building. That's interesting. I was going to ask you about your philosophy as a director for programming and leading your team, but you kind of described it um, there from that family approach. And it's obvious that family is very important to you. 
So I'm curious, how do you set boundaries for you and your staff related to work-life balance, given the monstrosity of programs that you have and facilities that you have? That's great, great. That's a good question. Um, so great question. Early on as a director, one thing I learned, so this is my 16th year as a director, one thing that I learned early on, like maybe year three, year four, is as a director, we're never off. Like we're mm-hmm. never off. Like mm-hmm. the building's open at 6 a.m. The You're on. closes at midnight. Um, I get a phone call anytime. I'm 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 always on. Weekends I'm on. Um and so I, and this might some it might sound weird. I'm not bound by time, right? I know mm-hmm. people are bound by 40 hours. They want to work 40 hours, and you know that. Well, we're salary. Like we mm-hmm. work until the job gets done, and sometimes the job will take us until a Saturday morning. Sometimes um, my kid plays mariachi, so I take him to a mariachi group on Saturdays at 12, and it's close to my job here in Tempe. So sometimes I sneak over for two hours while he's doing mariachi. And I work on a Saturday from 12 to 2, and then I go back and pick them up um, because nobody's around here and I can I can have attention. Right. We put in time and my computer goes home with me. Um, so Grady, it, it's it's the the twist that I give to my staff is there is time to work and there's time for your wellness. And so it's very important for m- my staff to understand that wellness in a form of whatever, sometimes some people it's working out, some people it's gardening, some people it's whatever. Um, some people it's taking a hike. You need you need to you need to program that into your life. Mm-hmm. You need to program just like work is programmed for us. Your wellness needs to program, and so um, figure out that wellness. And and like I came from the intramural world, so you know we have how we have to work ten till 10, 11, 12 at midnight. Um, sometimes my staff has to work that late, but there's no reason why I should see them at eight o'clock in the morning if they're working till midnight. Like get some rest, get some, get your body some energy, come in at 10, come in at 11. We will see as directors and leaders, we will see when people's programs suffer if they're not giving the time to the program. We'll see it. Agreed. As long as they're keeping up with the programs, as long as students are happy in the programs, um, I think people can understand work-life balance because it is different for everybody. So. Yeah. So let's transition a little bit. Um, you um, are serving as the facilitator to the Campus Rec Leadership Summit this year, which is very exciting. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Looking Thanks. forward to being there and having you lead us on a couple of days of great discussion. So I know that one of those um topics of discussion is going to sit around well-being and mental health like it has for the past couple years it's isn't going away it's not anything new for us but it is something that is um continuing to evolve and change so my question for you is where do you think we're headed as directors in dealing with this topic and what what does it mean or how is it changing for campus rec um yeah, it's a touchy subject. It's it's a touchy, it's a touchy subject because as traditional campus rec directors, um, if we continue thinking that we 
own wellness and we do wellness and we do well-being or whatever you decide that you want to call it on your college campus, it is right. It is correct. You are, but we're not doing it in a, at our fullest potential because there's another entity on campus that also talks about wellness and well-being and 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 are we partnering with that campus are we staying siloed from them and so moving to ASU one of the exciting things about moving to ASU and that has opened my eyes is I have a well wellness professionals that have public health knowledge there's uh, eight of them and so every campus has a wellness professional who embeds the whatever dimensions, whatever you want, a six dimensions, eight dimensions, nine, whatever dimensions that you want to put on your college campus. They embed those into not only saying we do them, but they are also trying to embed that into intramural sports or embed that into fitness, embedding that into memberships into operations, bringing wellness into our existing programs and meshing those together so students can understand what they're doing in this program is going to their wellness, hmm. is touching their wellness. It, in, let me explain, I, let me try to explain it. Public health so we're doing it. So that's why I said have to in campus recreation, we are doing it, right? We're we're, we're engaging people, they're playing intramurals, they're coming into our buildings. Um, and so we can we can we can wordsmith that we're wellness. You're telling one of us. But there's more to it that I think we're missing. And until we meet with our wellness counseling center, um and we get a holistic approach to wellness, then we're always just gonna be counseling and wellness over there and campus rec over here. We need to mirror them. We're trying that at ASU. In fact, I, I now report to the ADP of wellness, Dr. Aaron Krasnow, and he's an amazing guy. He's a psychologist by trait, but he's an amazing leader and the way he envisions what wellness is going to become and he knows the counseling side of it and he now is taking rec sports and merging us together and i tell aaron dr kras now if we get this right we can go around the country and teach people this is what we're doing now we're not the only ones at the campus rec summit when we one of our round tables was on mental health i think it was last year the year before and i realized East Carolina State was at my table and they do a tremendous job. They do exactly what I just described in mm -hmm. the rec center. And so I thought, yay, he gets it, right? I think um, the gentleman I was talking to is the director of wellness. under Stephen Trotter. Stephen Trotter. Stephen Trotter, yeah. And I thought, what an amazing, like it, I was overjoyed because I thought if we can have this movement, right? But the movement, Grady, is gonna take unconventional thinking from directors that are old school thinkers. And that's, I think that's going to be the next 
that that's going to be the challenge is can we think differently than what we've been thinking as traditional chemistry professionals because we have a whole new area that should be partnering with us and in our buildings that aren't shouldn't be separate so yeah that's interesting to hear you say that and um what I what I'm hearing or what how I interpret that and I'm not saying that you're saying this I'm saying this is do we as campus rec professionals really know what is best for from an industry standpoint towards the well-being aspect yes we're going to play in play in that space and we should but we may not know what is best and we need to be open to more collaboration and yes I think that's happening, but I think it needs to be more, even more so than what it has been. And I'm not blaming Campus Rec because um, just like Campus Rec, we also have partners across campus who own something who have to think differently too. Right. So we um, counselors, now that I report to Dr. Karras now, counselors have to think different, right? They have to think, are you, when you're counseling, are you asking students in your in your session hey what do you do for recreation what do you do for well-being what's what what's your activity is it painting is it like what what is and so it's a it's a uh, evolution on everybody's part to talk with somebody about their well-being so um so i'm not i i, I just think there is when we will see success when we see partnerships across our campuses and across our schools and um that the success piece is what's interesting to me because i think like do we have definitive standards for well-being on what we need to be doing or should be doing that we can measure from an assessment standpoint in order to to say, yes, we we are successful. And I say that because so much of what we do in Campus Rec is based off of numbers, right? Hard numbers, right. impact. Right. That's not what wellness and well-being is about. It's it's feelings-based, right? It's emotional. It's right. There's some of it, some of it is numbers-wise, but but a lot of it isn't. And that's that's new and that's different for us, I think. No, that's a good um, that's a good um topic or good discussion in the fact that somebody being rooted to their institution um, could look different for them uh, for their well-being right because right. we do a we we just um got a grant from the hi how are you campaign hi how are you is based out of austin texas and they wanted ASU to roll out the hi, how are you? So my wellness team and I went to go embark on what is this hi, how are you? And it's just, it's just been here a year. But what we've learned with the hi, how are you? It's a simple campaign of just speaking to, to people. And, and just like you mentioned earlier, people being on the phone. And I mean, it's put the phone down and ask somebody, hi, how are you? And not superficially, wait for their answer. Mm -hmm. their answer because and I know I shared this with you um uh, off topic is sometimes we don't want to let people into our lives because of whatever we're dealing with we're ashamed or we're sad or but at the lowest point of my lives I always try to bail myself out and I think as a male, I think that's our, that's our defense, right? I, a lot of times I, Absolutely. I was struggling. I didn't let my wife in. 
And yeah. I never got it until finally when I struggled rock bottom and I let my wife in and she's like, we can get this through together. And I realized, what? And I thought, man, and so now I'm a, I'm, I'm an open book. When I'm hurting, I'm hurting. I'm telling people I'm hurting because we can get through this. But a lot of times we just, we just clam up and we just say, I'm, I'm doing fine, Grady. I'm doing fine. When really I'm not doing fine, but it's okay to say I'm struggling and it's okay. And so we're talking about responses for to students is, Hey, when you ask somebody, Hey, how are you? And they're like, I'm struggling. Well, how can I help you? Like, what's going on? Like, can I, you know, is there any service? And maybe it's beyond me. Like, or maybe, hey, maybe we should go to lunch. Yeah. A lot of times people just want to be heard. A lot of times we don't have the expertise to even take them. And so maybe we have to take them, escort them to the, the counseling center right. or call that next step. But we're not, we're not, we're too busy to say, hi, how are you? And to listen and carry on a conversation. And so when I go to Campus Rec Summit and what I love about, and I share this with Heather as well, I love the intimacy that, mm -hmm. that the Campus Rec Summit gives you because you're with, you're with these 50 directors and, and vendors for three days and it's about us. And there's mm -hmm. very genuine conversations about what is affecting us on our college campuses. And I, and, and, you know, I get to meet directors like you, Grady, and we get to get deep about what's going on in our lives. And so yeah. I love that. Hi, how are you? Because I think that's the way we're going to change people. It's one person at a time asking them, hi, how are you? Now, how are we going to assess that, Grady? I don't know. It's going <laughs> to be, um, that's the tough part. Uh, because um, it's it's one of those things that I know people want numbers all the time, and we can produce numbers. We can say five thousand people come to the door a day here. We can we can tell them twelve thousand people played in the murals. Like we can give all the numbers we want, but it's impact though. The impact, right? That's what we're asking for. So what's the impact, and how do you assess that from from that aspect? To a sense yeah, of so like a sense of belonging impact because if people belong, I think that helps their well-being. If you yeah. belong, it helps your well-being. But a lot of people don't feel they belong, and right. so that's the key: is how do we make people belong? Yeah, well, I think that we're just scratching the surface on this topic, and now uh, yes. I look forward to having having more conversation at Summit. And those of you that are listening. We're going to be at Summit. We'll be glad to include you on that. And anybody else that isn't, go to Summit because this is what this is the type of stuff that we get into. Yep. Jorge, I appreciate your time today. It was awesome to hear your story. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I, I think people are going to take some take a lot away from that, some value, and uh, want to reach out and say hi, hello, how are you? How are you? Yeah. Hi, yes, how are you? Um, Please know, and if they have time, they know I'm a I'm a talker. So you're gonna hear my life. So <laughs> I, I welcome people to say hi. How are you, Jorge? You better have time because we will have some banter back and forth. Yes, well, friend, I appreciate it, and uh, can't wait to see you in a few months, uh, whether that's at Nursa or the summit. But you have a great rest of your week and day, and go do go keep doing what you're doing with your team. It sounds yeah. Thanks, great. Have a blessed day. Thank. You. All right, you too.